0: Hey mamas, Mother's Day is right around the corner and I have a great gift idea for you. It's Selfie Skins IPL hair removal handset. Selfie Skin designed this handset to make laser affordable and easy. Selfie Skin's handset utilizes clinical grade technology that is safe and gentle on your skin. I promise you it does not hurt. After just three to four sessions, you'll notice permanent results and all from the comfort of your own home. No booking appointments at a salon, no paying for a sitter. You can complete your treatments in 20 minutes during nap time. The handset comes with a risk-free 60-day back guarantee with no hidden costs and requires no refills or replacements. It's a one-time purchase. Give yourself the gift of affordable and permanent hair removal for smooth skin all the time. Use code Moms for a discount and use the link in the description of this podcast. I love my selfie skin and I know you will too. Let's get started with today's episode. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm your host, Abby Williams. This week, I'm welcoming on Heather Turgan and Julie Wright, the authors of the bestseller, The Happy Sleeper, and the newly released Generation Sleepless. Heather and Julie share with us the latest scientific research, which reveals that today's teenagers are, in fact, the most sleep-deprived population in human history. And at a critical phase of development, need more sleep than their younger siblings. Yet they're getting drastically less. We touch on all the causes why sleep is so important for our teens and how we can combat this problem with the right tools and ultimately improve connection with our tweens and teens. This is such an important conversation, and both of these books that Heather and Julie have authored have such valuable information tucked into them. Go check out the Happy Sleeper and Generation Sleepless on Amazon or wherever you get your books, and be sure to go give Heather and Julie a follow over on Instagram at the Happy Sleeper. You can also find them on their website, the Happy sleeper.com and i hope that you enjoy today's episode if you do please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review your support here on the podcast always means the world to me and i so appreciate you being here so let's get started cheers and Julie. Welcome to the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I am so excited that you are here joining us today because I think we talk about sleep and the motherhood parenting realm and we think of babies and infants and our toddlers and how to get them to sleep. But we forget about how important sleep is in the teenage years. So I'm really excited to dive into that with you ladies today. But first, tell my listeners a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. So we, um, Julie and I are psychotherapists. We met um, many years ago working with families on sleep, and we wrote a book called The Happy Sleeper for Babies and Little Kids that came out um, many years ago. And ever since, we've been helping families with sleep. But we, you know, more recently started to pick up on a trend of sleep loss in teenagers, which is what we're focused on. Now, so, yeah, so let's talk about this.
0: Let's like dive in. Let's talk about why is sleep so important in the teenage years, and what's going on that teenagers aren't
2: sleeping? Well, it turns out that teenagers need more sleep than most people think. Most yeah. people think, oh, you know, they have so much work to do, and it's okay if they don't get so much sleep. They're tough. They can, you know, they can carry on. But the truth is, teenagers are going through as important a developmental restructuring and remodeling of their brains as, as happens in the first three years of life. You know, we hear so much about the importance of sleep in those early years. And, you know, sleep books are piled high on the bedside table. But by the teenage years, I think I think sleep has really gone to the bottom of most parents' concern list. And believe me, we we get it. We get how much they have to do and how much parents have on their plate. And I think one of the reasons we wrote the book was that we wanted to bring, we wanted to shine light on the connection between sleep and a lot of the things that parents worry about, which ends up being like a relief because if you solve sleep, you are going to improve your teenager's mood, which, you know, is linked to concerns over mental health, you are going to improve their ability to do better in school and in sports and obviously help them feel better and um, improve their overall health, both mental and physical. So we look at sleep as this sort of magic pill that solves a myriad of issues. But we also want to bring a lot of attention to the fact that there is a very serious crisis of sleep deprivation Today's teens um, are the most sleep deprived population in human history, and that is saying a lot.
0: Right. And why is that? Why are our teens so sleep deprived?
1: So it's it's interesting because when we first started working on the book, we had heard so much about the early start time issue for high school. Yeah. So we thought that that was going to be the number one piece of the puzzle. It turns that seems out like an easy fix, right? It's much more complicated. <laughs> yeah, it's not that easy. It's what we describe in the book as a perfect storm of factors. So we've got um, academic overload and, you know, pressure to compete, um, you know, in multiple sports and have long practices and have early swim practices and have uh, volunteer hours for college. And there's so much that teenagers are taking on. Um in combination with technology, and also in combination with the fact that their brain clocks are actually naturally delayed, so that the teen brain goes through a delay that is a natural um, shift in their circadian rhythms. So they basically want to go to bed later and wake up later than the rest of us. So then, Then on the morning side, you have early start time, so it's kind of like they're being squeezed and crunched from all sides.
0: Okay. So now that, you know, we know that this is normal, that teens want to stay up later, they want to sleep in later, but society's, I don't know, expectations of them is going against this. How do we, I guess, help them navigate this, right? How do we get them to get on a bedtime routine that is conducive to what they
2: need? Yeah, you're right. That the only way to solve the teen sleep issue is for them to go to bed earlier right. because have to get up for right. school. So in in the early part of the book where we lay out the, you know, the issue of two early school start times and, you know, the sort of insidious addictive nature of big tech and academic overload, we propose things that those entities can do. Yeah. And we don't want the book to only be you know, sort of pointing the finger at parents and saying, here's another problem for you to solve, (laughs) especially since it's actually impossible for them to solve those issues. Right. So, But however, Heather and I are, you know, we can't help ourselves because what we do is help people with sleep. So the whole second half of the book is practical tips. Yeah. Not only for what you can do in the home, but the starting point, which is how to communicate with your teen to get them on board and to get them motivated because... Um, you know, anybody who's a parent of a teen or has been or has been a teen themselves knows we can't just tell teens what to do anymore. So all this great sleep hygiene, and we have a lot of great ideas. Um, It doesn't help unless you've, you know, started by listening to them with empathy, looking out for signs of things that they care about that are related to sleep. They might talk about you know, wanting to do better in school or at sports, or they might talk about not liking the way their skin looks or, you yeah, know, right, right. Not, just not feeling well and looking for those ins and really being an empathic listener, um, not rushing to tell them what to do, but sort of helping them come to it themselves. Maybe you learn about sleep together. Maybe you talk about your own sleep and what you're learning. So you're kind of coming at it a little bit sideways with them so that they feel like you're on their team. You're not, you know, you're not being that, you know, nagging, commanding parent. And obviously we wrote a whole second book all about empathic communication. So we're really bringing yes. that into this book. And, and we it's something that we love so much about, um, you know, it's one of our favorite things to talk about. So um, before we can talk about routines and sleep times and the bed, the, the sleep environment, we talk about empathic communication. Right. So I was telling
0: Heather off air that I work with teens and a lot of, so I like hear a lot about their sleep issues, right. From them, but it's more the, you know, you have either the teens that struggle with maybe being high achieving academically And they're taking harder course loads. So I need to be staying up late because I have all these tests I'm cramming for. I have these huge projects. I'm in honors classes. I'm in AP prep courses, right? And I have to get good grades. I'm this high achiever, perfectionist stuff that we're working on in therapy, right? But that's why they're staying up late. Or you have the other end of teens who are staying up late because that's my peer time. I just got this new boyfriend. I love talking to him on FaceTime all night. And, you know, we stay up for hours. It is so great. I love this. I'm never giving this up, right? Because he is my whole world and whatever, whatever. So I think that you have like these two things that are happening. um, And probably there's a whole list of other things that happen that teens are staying up late, or they just, you know, there's the rhythms that we were talking about, that is pushing them, that that's what they like to do now. Um, so how do we kind of have like these, I guess, like, moments of, hey, this isn't working, especially when it's like the academic part, where if they're not staying up, they're not completing the course load, they're not prepared for their test the next morning, then what? How do, how do we kind of navigate these things?
1: Yeah, I think that's really a concern for a lot of kids. And right. there's a lot to say about it. But one is that that's part of the reason that we want high schools to take some yeah. responsibility for that yeah. and even college admissions committees. Like, what is, your, what is the point of having so much work? It actually, a ton of homework doesn't make a kid smarter. Yeah. A ton of homework doesn't help them figure out what they love to do. And a ton of homework doesn't, even really stick in their mind without good sleep. So um, sleep is like when you encode memories. And if you don't have good sleep, then you might cram for a test and spit it back out the next morning. But a year from then, I mean, I hear this from teenagers all the time. Like, I don't remember what I learned in AP history, or I don't remember X, Y, Z. Like I just crammed it and then I spit it out and then I moved on. So of course, if you're a high achieving teen, you want to get into a good school. We're not saying don't, you know, we, we're not saying don't, don't work hard because we're, you know, we completely empathize with that. So that's part of why we want to work with high schools to shift how they even help teens navigate this in the first place. Um, but I would say, and we say this to teens, like if you can sleep eight hours a night, you're going to learn more efficiently. Yeah. So if you think if your goal is to, is to learn and, and, um, if your goal is to, you know, have more creative papers and you're, you want to, you know, have good memory and do well on tests, sleeping well is actually going to help you get there. And it's also going to make you like, if you, if you sleep well, your two hours of homework time will be much more efficient. If you sleep six hours a night, it's going to take you three or four hours to complete the same amount of homework.
0: Yeah. So,
1: so having some of
0: those hard conversations, huh? Um, I know. And then I feel like on the other end, I have like teenagers who then get into bad sleep habits, right? Where I stay up all night. So then I go to school, I'm exhausted. I'm falling asleep in class, or I have to come home from school and take a nap, which then helps me stay up late that night. And it's just like this vicious cycle, right? Um, But then like that getting in horrible sleep cycles like that is hard to break. Is there, I guess, advice
2: there? Yeah. Moving their sleep times around radically like that puts any of us, puts teenagers and anyone who does it into what's called social jet lag. Yeah. Same thing as jet lag that we get when we travel and it feels just as bad. Yeah. So, you know, taking naps. My son used to come home from lacrosse practice. Yeah. And literally like face plant on the bed. Yeah. And, and and there was no I mean, he was gone. Yeah. There was no waking him up. And you know, I look back, he's twenty-five now, but I look back and I just think, that poor kid, he was taking all these AP classes, he was working hard in school, he was, you know, work he was doing his best yeah. to do all the things that society was telling him he was supposed to do. Yeah. And he was seriously sleep deprived and he would, he would sleep for hours at that sort of 6 PM time and then get up. And I didn't know what time he finally went to bed that night because he had had such a long nap late in the day. So, you know, this is where the communication with teens really helps because helping them understand these things and learn about the science behind our circadian rhythms and our sleep clock and how much it really helps us to be, on a regular schedule, regularity is as important as duration when it right. comes to sleep health. And right. that's a hard concept to really grasp, you know. So I think a lot of it is about, sometimes it's about small wins, mm-hmm. getting even 30 minutes earlier to bed every night, yeah. you know, that does accumulate. We we have um, some concepts in the book that are kind of fun to think about and to apply Around sleep. One of them is this idea of paleo sleep. So, we're one of the biggest reasons sleep is so compromised is that we've gone so far away from the cues that nature gives us from the sun and how paleo people lived. And they got plenty of sleep because when the sun set, they pretty much were getting ready for bed. And artificial light, not just from screens, but just artificial light in our homes, too, extends our awake time way beyond the time that we need to go to sleep. So we sort of, teenagers kind of like to think about things like, you know, sleeping like a caveman and, you know, being more in touch with nature, taking them, they, in their sleep researchers, take them camping. Yeah. And they almost immediately start sleeping like two to three hours longer every single night because their bodies are not getting these artificial cues from, from light. So Paleo sleep is one way of, of helping them think about being more in tune with nature and the cues from the sun.
0: Yeah,
2: I love that. What are, I guess, like some other tips that are in the
0: book that help kind of navigate some of these conversations with our teens to start having better sleep habits?
1: Uh, one thing we always recommend is that teenagers wake up on the weekends, yeah, at the same time within yeah. a, about an hour or two of when they have to wake up for school. And that's one of the most kind of immediate things that you can help your teen do yeah. on a practical level on a Saturday and Sunday because a lot of parents will ask us, isn't it better for them to just sleep and catch up on sleep? They're mm-hmm. not sleeping enough, so why wouldn't they just sleep for twelve hours on the weekends each day? And yeah. they would. I mean, my team would sleep for twelve hours, <laughs> um, but because it's a short-term gain in sleep and then a long-term loss in sleep because you get social jet lag, it's better to wake them up. So let's say if they have to be up at seven for school during the week, that you wake them up by nine on Saturday and by eight on Sunday. So they start they fill up on sleep and then they get back to a start to get back to a regular schedule for the weekend. Yeah. Um, and getting their getting their buy-in on that so you can work together to figure out what the best way to wake them up at that time is and what they do when they wake up so that that sleeping in dilemma is i think one of the biggest ones for parents
0: i bet that like this buy-in is that the biggest struggle with parents helping their kids get on a better sleep plan Cause you're also going through some of these years where it's like, no, I know everything. This is what I want to do. Right. And some of these like pushback, my independence, you know, which is all very normal, but how do we navigate that in terms of, yeah, but this is the research and this is actually what's better for you.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's really tough. One of the things we say, and it's, you know, we have another concept in the book. It's called the parent fade. Yeah. And what it means is that, um, well, we start by saying don't let go too soon. Yeah. Parents tend to let go of bedtime and bedtime routines and parking devices in another room really early, way earlier than they have to. So we we want parents to not be afraid yeah. that their kids won't like them anymore if yeah. they hold on to those rules and those limits. Um that way, when your teen gets a little bit older, they've got it as a habit. Yeah. They've got going to sleep early as a habit. They know what it feels like to sleep well, and they're used to putting their devices down and going to bed. Yeah. You know, if if they start bringing their phones into their bedrooms at you know age thirteen or fourteen or even fifteen, yeah. it, it, you, you're, they're already creating creating a habit that's hard to turn around.
1: Yeah.
2: So um, starting early, and the parent fade means that. It's like a staircase. So as your child shows you more respons- uh, more responsibility, they get more freedom. A little more responsibility, a little more freedom. So they, they kind of rise up the steps. Yeah. And as they show more responsibility, they go a step up. They show a little more responsibility, they get a little more freedom. So it's you don't just toss it all to them and, and abdicate and throw your hands up. And technology makes that hard because parents really feel – they've lost control and you know, that's a huge conversation. But um, I, I think that parents shouldn't be so afraid and should, should hold on tight. And we have a lot of things in the book about like, working on sleep as a family, having family meetings, talking about your own use of technology as a parent. You know, a lot of teenagers, I'm sure you know this, they complain about their parents' use and that their parents don't even put them on their phone when they're having a conversation with them. So um, there's a lot of ways to, to work on sleep as a family, have a family sleep challenge, and to also put routines into place in the evening we talk about a wind down routine yeah and then a bedtime routine so those are two separate wind down is really starting to send signals to your brain and your body and your your psyche that that night is coming so you're starting to dim the lights in the household and you're starting to turn off screens but that doesn't mean you can't put things into place that are enjoyable and pleasurable you know the family could watch a 30-minute tv show on a tv you know right not right here and not not close to their And they could, you know, play a game or go take the dog for a walk or have a chat or have a snack. So families can do things to fill that space and create routines that are pleasurable. And and those also create new habits. Yeah, so it is an uphill battle. And it it depends on where you are right now, how much work you have to do. But We want to give teens credit for, for really wanting to take care of themselves and for learning the information themselves so we don't tell them the solution. They come up with the solution.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. Let's talk about like the screens some more. Let's talk about, um, I guess, what are the boundaries that should be around screens, around... You know our phones, the TV, leading up to bedtime. What's the research? What's the advice on screens and bedtime?
1: Yeah, so screens. In a perfect world, you would turn off your portable devices and your close your laptops and all of that about mm-hmm. an hour before bed. Yeah, even before that is great. But you know, if you so if a teenager's bedtime is nine thirty or ten, should that this be for too? Yeah, around right. <laughs> so that's that's part of the wind down ritual yeah. is um is turning off the portable things that are close up to your face and that have a lot of engagement and um if you can lower the lights around the same time so like turn off, you know, I have a system in our house where I'm like turning off certain lights and turning on mm-hmm. lamps and there are certain lights that are a lower intensity and more warm tone and i'm doing that during the wind down time it makes a big difference because yeah. i kind of think of it like look outside and track that inside if you can so if you if the sun's going down it kind of means your home lights should be going down and you should be winding down mm-hmm. um and so you know of course we're not going to go to bed at you know 6:30 or 7 but right that idea of Nature is trying to tell you something, so don't right. ignore it. Right. Um, so then, so that's a good one. And then, being able to watch TV from a distance as a family is totally fine, and a lot of people do that, and it doesn't suppress your melatonin if you have lower home lights and you're watching television from a distance across the across the room, and you're watching a family movie. That's yeah. fine. So you can have screen time before bed. It's just not up close and not super engaging content that you can't put down. Like YouTube, you know, shorts that you're just kind of winding through Mm -hmm. and you can't stop or Mm -hmm. social media that never ends. Like those things have no ending. So having them right before and they also activate you and make you, you know, excited or curious or sad or frustrated or wondering what other people are doing and all those things make it hard to fall asleep. I think that
0: there's probably a lot of moms listening right now that are like, yeah, I need to get better at this too. I'm going to raise my hand. Um, (laughs) You know, I think that, you know, we like fall into these like doom holes too of our, Mm -hmm. you know, problem sleeping. You know, I think we're right there alongside probably these teenagers at times, especially, you know, like, like myself, I have three, I have four kids, three of them are real young. And, um, you know, like that, but that's like your you time, right? So like you like put the kids to bed and then I get in bed and I'm like scrolling, right? And I think a lot of moms are probably in a similar situation or you put on Netflix, right? But I definitely see a difference in my sleep when I'm doing that versus when there's not the scrolling Yeah, or the Netflix before bedtime. Mm -hmm. You know, I can I can see that in myself. And so I love like what you're talking about as like a family challenge or your family routine. Because I think that so much of parenting is modeling these positive good behaviors, these healthy behaviors, right? And if we're not leading by example, then it probably is Mm -hmm. a struggle in the house, right? And I'm right there with you. Mama's like, no shame. I feel it. <laughs> but yeah, it is. It's important to be doing like these things as a family, whether it's, you know, eating well or sleeping well or taking care of yourself, taking time for yourself. You know, I think our little people watch us way more than they listen to us.
1: <laughs> so true.
0: So true. It It sucks that way. I wish, <laughs> I wish that they would just do as I say and not as I do, but it's not that way. <laughs> It'd be a lot easier, right? <laughs> so ladies, tell us where our mamas can find the book. Um, I know that there is so much more content in the book than what we covered in today's episode. So I want to encourage everybody to go get the book and go find you ladies, wherever you guys hang out on the interwebs. Tell us where they can find the book and where they can find you.
2: Yeah, Generation Sleepless is available wherever yeah. books are sold. Yeah. And our website and our all our social media is The Happy Sleeper, which is the title of our first book, but that's our website. And you can see all our books. Yeah. You can, you can read about the work that we do on thehappysleeper.com and at, on Instagram at The Happy Sleeper.
0: Perfect. I will be linking all of those in the description of this podcast. Um, I am so... I'm so happy that we had this conversation. I am so not happy to hear that these teens are the most sleep deprived people right now. You know, I hope that there are changes on the horizon for them. Um, I am thankful that you ladies are paving the way and adding to those conversations because they are so important. And as a clinician working with teens in the mental health space, I know that te- that the sleep is important. So. Mm-hmm. Thank you for all the work that you guys are doing. Thank you for joining me in this important conversation today. And cheers to better sleep.
1: Thank you. This was fun. Thanks so much.
2: Thanks for having us. Thanks, ladies.